about that. Yeah, give it up for technology. That is user error. User error. That is my fault. All right, let's try this again. How are we doing? Awesome. Hey, my name is AJ. For those of you who don't know, I'm the site pastor for our downtown location here at LifePoint. And I am honored and have the privilege of getting to hang out with you this morning. We are finishing up our Unseen series but hopefully not unheard. Uh, I hope that you've been enjoying this series as much as I have. It's been really uh, great for me personally. I guess I'm a little selfish in that, but I've really enjoyed learning about this spiritual battle and being able to teach on it and just study it. So hopefully you've enjoyed it as well. Because when you think about it, when we learn about uh, who our enemy is, when we learn about this battle that we find ourselves in, it really allows us to respond in a better way to what life throws at us, right? When we learn about uh, who the enemy is and how he attacks us and the things that he uses to attack us, it's really great for us to be able to respond the right way because we know who our enemy really is. And it allows us to kind of open our eyes to the world around us. So hopefully you've been enjoying this as much as I have. We started this series in the book of Ephesians. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we'll be starting in verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, the ushers will be coming around and uh, giving you one. If you forgot yours, you just want to borrow one. Or if you don't own one, Please accept this as our gift. Uh, We believe the words in here are true. We'll make an everlasting impact in your life. So you can just signal to one of them, and they will get you a Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, it'll be on the screen, or you can also use one of those cool smartphones to pretend like you're not texting. I don't have any experience in that whatsoever. So Ephesians chapter 6, what we have here is Paul describing this spiritual battle that we're in, right? Kind of of letting us in on what's going on around us. So chapter 6, starting in verse 10, this is what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what Paul does is he kind of lets us in on the major players in this battle. It's just kind of a quick recap in case you missed any of these messages. Uh, He lets us in on the major players, lets us in on who they are, where they come from, what they're capable of, and what we can do uh, to defend ourselves against those attacks. We talked about the spiritual forces of evil. We talked about who our enemy is and Satan and and his demons who are just created beings. They're very powerful. Uh, They're stronger than us, but they're not as strong as God, and God is stronger and has defeated them. So there's good news in that, but they will stop at nothing. They want nothing more than to destroy you, to destroy any relationship you may have now, or you may have in the future with God. They want not, they want you to have nothing to do with God. They don't want you following him. They don't want you to be connected with him at all. And that is their sole purpose. But we also have the spiritual forces of good, which are God and his angels and how he is fighting for us. Just like Joel and the band just saying that, that he is for us. He loves us. He cares for us, right? And that we have an advocate in the Holy Spirit, right? and that, that he is with us, he guides us, he directs us, he, he, he battles for us, he gives us direction, he gives us peace beyond understanding, and he gives us power. And so as we follow Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, giving us direction and peace. But then what Paul does next, is interesting, is he compares the things that we need to do to respond in this battle to armor. To real armor. And so in case there's any doubt that Paul is talking about a real battle, he uses imagery from a real soldier. Just a little context uh, in case you weren't sure. Paul is actually writing this letter to the Ephesians under house arrest. 
Okay, so he is under guard 24 hours a day, not able to leave his house. And so he's looking at this soldier saying, yeah, it's kind of like that. Right, looking at his armor, right? And so he continues in verse 13 using this imagery. Verse 13, he says, therefore, now, real quick, I was always raised and trained that whenever you see the word therefore, especially in the Bible, you should always ask, anybody know? What's it there for? Absolutely. Right? Because just the word itself has this connotation, right? With, with all this in mind, right? Now that you have all this understanding. So Paul says, now that you know all about this spiritual battle, right? Now that you know about the forces of good, the forces of evil, who your enemy is, how he's going to attack you and what you can do and how God loves you, how he's for you and what they're going to do against you. With all that in mind, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So last week we talked about the first three pieces of the armor, the the belt of truth, the the breastplate of righteousness, or the kind of body armor of righteousness. Then we also talked about how our feet need to be fitted with the gospel of peace. And so today we just want to dive right in to the next three and and what we can do to defend ourselves and the things we need to take up. So he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. A little history, shields in Paul's day were basically like a big door. Just a big piece of wood. And so if you wanted to disarm your enemy, you had to get rid of the shield. Right? And so it's kind of a brilliant technological advancement for their day and age. What these archers would do is they would take their arrows, wrap them in cloth, and dip them in this flammable liquid, light it on fire, and then shoot, hit the shields. Shields would catch on fire like wood does. Shield would go away. Send in the cavalry. Right? So you have taken away the first and main line of defense that your enemy has. And so you get rid of it and then you send it and you can attack your enemy because they're exposed and now they're vulnerable. So what people started doing is they started wrapping their shields in leather and then soaking it in water. It made it a lot heavier, but when those flaming arrows hit, they wouldn't catch the shield on fire. So they would just stick in and they could continue to use their shield. And what Paul is saying here is that we have an enemy who continually shoots flaming arrows at us and that we need to have a shield to protect us. You might ask, okay, so what are those flaming arrows? What are the things that, that the enemy shoots at, at us? Because last time I looked, the sky looks pretty clear, right? Well, he's talking about our enemy, Satan, and he does that. And Satan attacks us through temptation. He, he attacks us through lies. But one of the main ways he shoots at us is by accusing us. The Bible calls him our accuser. And so it goes like this. He says, you are not loved. You are not worthy. You're not needed You're not significant. You're not growing in your faith. You're not doing enough. You're not giving enough. And you know what? The things that you are doing, you're doing them for selfish reasons. So he accuses us over and over again. So no matter what you're doing, you just keep feeling this this accusation weighing on you. You And some of us know what that's like, right? You feel that sense of guilt that never goes away, that you can never do enough. You never can give up enough. You you, You feel guilty. You feel accused. And because we, we don't really understand this battle, we don't know where these accusations are coming from, we think they're coming from God. But they're not. It's our enemy 
who's launching an assault on us, accusing you of things that aren't true. Accusing you of things that Jesus already paid the price for. Accusing you of things that Jesus accomplished. But he continues to shoot. He continues to assault us, to, to, to lie to us, to tempt us. And those things weigh on us, right? And when we have that, that, that guilt and when we feel it over and over, all we can think of is, man, I just need some way to protect myself. To, to block these lies and temptations, these accusations. And Paul says that's when we need to take up our shield of faith. We need to have faith in God. Those are the moments during the lies and the temptations and the accusations that we need to have faith more than ever. That we need to have faith in God. That we must trust God. And, and I understand it because I, I've said this myself and you may say, listen, it, it's hard to trust God when all signs point to him not being there. Right? Where was he when I lost my job? Where was he when this happened? Right? I, I don't see God being all powerful in my life because I don't know if you've seen, but life isn't great. Right? And we continue to think, you know, God's, God's not really helped me out here. He's not all powerful. He must just not care. The Hebrew says that faith is a certainty in things that we can't see and that we can't prove. And we need to have faith. Now, there are times in life where we have to go through things so that we can be better off in the end, that God wants us to experience things so that we can grow closer to him through those trials and through those struggles, right? And so in those moments, we need to have faith stronger than ever. And so for many of us, when our faith comes under attack or when we feel like, you know, we're being attacked, that's when we lay down our shield. We, we walk away from God and we leave ourselves exposed and vulnerable. And that's, that's when we fall into sin that's when we give in to the temptation. That's when we start to believe the lies and the accusations. Because we've dropped our shield of faith. Because it got too hard. And the real issue at hand is that we need to trust God. In those moments, in the thick of battle, we need to trust God more than ever. We need to rely on Jesus in our life and trust in him. Because the worst thing you can do in those moments is to run away from God. Because he wants nothing more than to protect you. He wants nothing more to care for you. So you want to be protected from those attacks. You want to have a shield from those attacks. You need to have a relationship with Christ. Now, that's not to say that once you get in a relationship with Christ, you start following Jesus in your life, that life becomes all rainbows and puppies, right? If you're alive, you know that to not be true. Right? Life is hard. And Jesus says that hard times will come. Paul says that as well. But when we have that shield of faith, when we trust in God, we are shielded from the daily attack from Satan. And our shield, our faith, is only as strong as the thing that we have our faith in, right? And so if our faith is in God, then our shield will never fail. It'll never break. It'll never burn up. Because God will never fail us. Because he's strong. He's powerful. And he will protect us from those attacks. So we need the shield of faith. Next, Paul tells us to put on the helmet of salvation. Now, I'm not sure if you know this. This may not be common knowledge. But your head is pretty important to your survival. I know, I know, I know. I've known people who've lost a finger and still survive. 
Right? I know people who've lost an arm and still live just fine. I know people who've lost a leg and are doing just fine. But I have never met anyone who've lost their head and are doing okay. Right? You need your head. It's important. That's why we wear helmets. Right? My wife, my wife Cynthia and I live in downtown Raleigh and we live pretty close to everything. And on beautiful weekends such as today, we love to ride our bikes wherever we can. Whether it's coffee shops or dinner or meetings or whatever we can do, we love to ride our bikes. Now, I am not a huge fan of wearing a helmet. My wife, how, Cynthia, however, always wears a helmet and hates it when I don't wear a helmet. You know, and I understand she, she loves me and wants me to be careful and safe. But let's be honest, I'm a little vain and I like my hair to stay vertical, Okay. <laughs> You were all thinking it. And I have, they haven't invented a helmet yet where it doesn't affect this. Okay? I'm looking for it. If you know of anything, just let me know. Anyway, so I don't wear my helmet a lot. But Cynthia, however, always wears her helmet. And so one day, she's getting ready to go to a meeting to ride her bike. It's, this is about four or five months ago. And she's like, you know what? AJ never wears his helmet. So I'm not going to wear my helmet today. Don't get ahead of me. So... She does her hair, rides her bike to the meeting, gets great, right? Has the meeting on her way back. She's coming up, you know, downtown Raleigh, she's coming up Wilmington Street, which is one way, and getting ready to, oh, like, less than a quarter mile from her house. I mean, just close, getting ready to cross over P Street. And I know bikes have the right of way. Right? I'm not right away, but you have, you have equal, right? But when a car bigger than a bike starts moving in, you move, right? And so the car started moving in, she moved and hit the curb of the sidewalk with her tire, and went head first into the pavement. She is wonderful. Thank you for asking. Yeah. She's just fine. Very little scar right here. You can't even see it. It scared me to death. But she was fine. But she wasn't wearing her helmet. Now, if you're a husband in here, whose fault was that? That ain't mine. That's right. My fault. Right? And I totally accept all responsibility. Now I wear my helmet wherever I go. I was like, babe, you could have figured out another way to prove your point. Right? So uh, she wears her helmet all the time. I wear my helmet all the time. But we need our helmets, right? That's why troops in war, in the battle, they wear their helmet. Because one shot to the head, and you're done. And in a spiritual battle, your enemy is going for your head. We need a helmet. And Paul says that salvation is your helmet. So he's saying, listen, if if you don't love Jesus, if you're not following Jesus, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't repented and been forgiven of your sins, you are walking around this earth in the middle of a battle with your head held high and no helmet on, and you keep getting hit in the head over and over, and you're like, I have no idea why. It's because you have an enemy who's aiming for your head, and you're not wearing a helmet. Anybody remember, anybody remember the movie Saving Private Ryan? So the opening scene of that movie that they storm the beach, right? There's one scene where the guy, there's this guy who gets shot in the head, but he's wearing a helmet. There's a ding, you know, and he's all excited because he's alive. And the guys around him are like, you are so lucky. And then he takes off his helmet to look at where the bullet hit. And then what happens? He's shot in the head. See, not only do we need to have our helmet, we need to put it on and keep it on. See, because if we're caught walking around this world without our helmet, exposed and, and vulnerable, our enemy will attack. And so we need Christ. And we desperately need him. And we, we need to keep him with us. And we need to not take off our helmet. We need salvation. We need God to save us. 
And so, so if you're a follower of Christ in here today, you have this helmet, right? You have this spiritual helmet. But the enemy will do anything he can to get you to take it off, right? To get you to doubt your salvation, to, to think, okay, is God really real? Did that really mean anything when I made that decision to follow him? And he'll try and get you to take it off and set it over here and say, you know what? I think I, I, think I got this one on my own. I'm going to go to the front lines. You just hang out here. Or if you're not a follower of Christ, Paul is warning you here. You're walking around in a battle without a helmet. And the enemy is going to try to deceive you, tell you you don't need it, all that God stuff. You, you don't need that. Right? You'll be fine. We need our helmet. We need to be saved. And I love the progression of Paul's thinking here, right? Because he gives us all these weapons, all these pieces of armor that we're supposed to put on. But so far, everything's been a primarily defensive weapon, right? The shield, the helmet, the body armor, right? The shoes, they're, they're primarily defensive weapons, things we can use to defend ourselves in this battle. But then he tells us to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul says we have an offensive weapon and it's this that this is our sword now now yes i understand that that swords can be used defensively as well to to deflect other swords but its primary use is as an offensive weapon now here's the problem we are not the only ones who have access and who know how to use this sword okay look at book of genesis god says adam and eve hey you can eat whatever you want There was filet mignon growing on that tree. You can have that. Don't eat this one. And Satan goes, did God really say that? I mean, did he really say that? Right? And so he takes scripture, he takes God's word, and he misquotes it, and he twists it, and he gets us to believe the opposite. He does the same thing to Jesus, Matthew 4 and in Luke 4. Jesus spends 40 days in the desert fasting and praying, and Satan shows up to tempt him, and he pulls out the sword and takes a swing at Jesus. And Jesus is like, all right, I can play that game too. Pulls out his sword and quotes Deuteronomy four times. Let me ask yourself this. If your life depended on your ability to quote Deuteronomy, how well would that turn out for you? Wouldn't turn out very well for me. But Jesus pulls out his sword and attacks. See, what happens to us, though, and to a lot of followers of God, is that that we don't know that there's a battle. And we don't know that there's an enemy who's trying to destroy us. So we don't know why we need a weapon. We don't know that we need a sword. We're like, "What, what do I need this for? It's peacetime. We're not in a battle. It's peacetime. Why do I need to pick up this sword? It's not peacetime. We are in the middle of a war and you need your sword. Now, a couple of problems. One is that we don't always know how to handle the sword. Right? We don't always know how to use it. And sometimes we'll take this sword and stab each other with it. Right? Like I've seen good people who just who love God. Right? But who will take this sword and stab each other over whether or not Jonah was actually swallowed by a whale. Or they'll take this and they'll stab each other and argue and fight over the second coming of Christ and when that's going to happen and how and the exact date. I'll give you a little insight on that. It hasn't happened yet, so we probably shouldn't kill each other over it. Okay? We, we don't know how to 
use the sword. And sometimes we'll attack each other with it. And the enemy, listen, loves nothing more than to destroy us. But even more, he loves to see us destroy each other. Okay, so we have to be careful with our sword. The other thing that we'll do with the sword is, is we'll take it and we'll read it. And then we'll set it down and we'll talk about it. And we'll study it and we'll debate and we'll argue over it. And then we'll never pick it up. We'll never use it. Don't get me wrong. We should study it. We should learn from it. It is very important for us to do that. But we can't forget the power that it holds. Sometimes we spend so much time talking about it and debating over it. We forget how to use it. We forget that it's a sword. And so what the enemy will do is say, hey, just, just put that down. Just set that right over there. That's not a sword. You can just talk about it. But it's not a weapon. You don't need that. Right? And then what does he do? He'll pick it up and he'll swing at us with it, right? And after a few times, then he'll cut us and we'll be like, hey, that's sharp. That, that's a sword. And he'll be like, I know, I'm a liar, right? Did you not read that part? You didn't believe it? See, listen, the enemy wants nothing more than to get this out of our hands. Listen, he doesn't lack information. He knows how to use it. He knows the book. What he lacks is repentance, right? He doesn't. Love God. He wants to keep us from loving God. This is, it's it's a double-edged sword. If you don't know how to use it, instead of cutting things like sin and death and evil and Satan, we'll start to cut things like righteousness and other children of God and good things. So we have to be careful with our sword, but we have to pick it up each and every day. We have to make sure it's sharp, right? So we can understand it so that we can use it. We have to prepare ourselves for war. We have to prepare ourselves for the conflict before the conflict arrives, right? It's terrible timing to try to sharpen your sword in the middle of a battle, right? Or to go looking for it or to dust it off and say, where did I put it last week after church? I don't, I don't, I don't know where it is, right? We have to use it. It's like I was watching the show the other day and this guy started to have a heart attack and he said to his friend, do you think it's too late to start jogging? Yeah. Right? We can't wait till the middle of the battle to pull it out. We need our sword. See, the scriptures are for using. Not just debating or arguing, but for using. We are in a war, and we need a weapon. See, this is, where, this is where truth comes from. This is where we learn about our faith. This is where we learn about how to gain salvation. Right? How, how we learn to be connected to God and to his son and what Jesus did for us. We need the scriptures. We need our sword. So the question is, how well do you know the scriptures? How sharp is your sword? How often do you pick it up? Because it's important. And so we put an emphasis on the word here at LifePoint. We put an emphasis on preaching it and teaching it and studying it and giving it out every week and having it on the screens because it's important. And not only do we need the swords individually, but we need it as a church. As a whole, we, we need to have our weapon. Because Satan wants to attack not only us individually, but us as a church. And, and this is not just good for information. It's also good for transformation. Right? Because we use this to cut out the things in our lives that keep us from living a godly life. We use it to cut out sin. We use it to cut out the evil desires. We use it to cut out things so that we can live righteously. So that we can live in God's plan for our lives. See, I really believe, in the bottom of my heart, I really believe that God has a plan for our city. That he has a plan for your community. That he has a plan for your neighbors. 
And we, we as a church have a plan to reach our city, to, to help people connect with God. It, that is the central focus of everything we do. We zero in on that mission. Right? That, that is our mission as a church. That should be our mission as individuals. But let me ask you this. Do you think the enemy has a plan as well? Absolutely. And it is in direct opposition to God's plan. It's in direct opposition to our plan as a church to follow God, to help people connect with him. And his plan is to destroy us and to destroy the church as a whole. So what do we do? Do we lay down? Do we freak out? Do we get scared? No. What do we do? We trust God. We pick up our sword. We we read the scriptures. Put on the helmet of salvation and give our lives to Christ. We live in righteousness. We live according to the way God calls us to live. We we advance the gospel of peace that Paul talks about. That is what Paul tells us to do. The things he tells us to do here in Ephesians. And he says there will be days of evil. The battle's going to come. Right? Not if but when Jesus says it as well, but that's only because the gospel of peace, the kingdom of God is advancing into the dark areas of this world. And the enemy hates that. He hates it. You see, through Paul, God has told us you have an enemy. Here's his plan. And here's how you need to defend yourself. Here's how you can stand firm against his attacks and push forward and move forward the mission of God and the kingdom of God. Our hope and my hope for you is that, that you've gained a, a sense of urgency about this battle through this series. That you understand that we are in a battle and that our fight is not against people, it's not against flesh and blood, but that we have an enemy. And if we will fight the right enemy, the right way, with the right weapons, we will have victory. We will defeat him. We will advance the kingdom of God and the mission of Jesus in this world. But here's the thing. This requires action on our part. Okay? Paul says, in addition to all this, take up. Right? These are things we have to choose to bring into our lives. That's an active tense. Right? That that we need to choose to bring these things into our lives. That we need to choose righteousness. That we need to choose to read our Bible. We need to choose to be saved. We need to choose to live the way God called us to live. To move forward the gospel of peace. To be ambassadors of God everywhere we go. We need to choose those things in our lives. It's a decision that we have to make. And listen, we are weak by ourselves. We are weak. But because of what... God has given us because of his son, because of the weapons that he has given us, we have more than we need to fight off the attack and to remain standing, not only at the end of the day, but also at the end of this life. See, this, this is a fight and it's a hard fight, but Paul calls it a good fight. It's a fight we should be, we should remain positive about because I don't know if you've read the end of the book, but we win. Amen. We win. So according to Paul, and this is my encouragement for you, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. And when you have done all, stand. Let me pray for us. God, we are so grateful that you give us these things, that you 
give us life that you've given us, your son that you continually give and give and give. So God, I pray we will listen to the words of Paul, that we will take these things, that, that we will bring them into our lives, that we will put on the helmet of salvation, that we will accept the gift that your son has given us to, to be connected to you, that we will live in righteousness a way that pleases you, and that we will advance your kingdom everywhere we go, and that every situation and relationship in our lives, that we will advance the gospel of peace. God, we thank you for your love, for all that you've done. So we lift you up in this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen.